0: And welcome back to Imagine Akasha. My name is Tom Fry.
1: And I'm Nancy Volley.
0: And our guest this week is the author of a book that turns the modern concept of aging on its head. As she puts it in her book, Grow Old, Be Happy, Aging is Not About Trying to Stay Young... It's about reclaiming our right to grow old. We're here to hear all about that and how spirituality plays an important role in coming to terms with your older self. Kathleen O'Brien is a writer, lecturer, former television broadcaster, unabashed fan of growing old and my mother.
2: Yeah. Hi mom. Hi dear. It's nice to be
0: here. It's great to have you here. I've been you. I've been telling Nancy about your book and of course Nancy follows you on Facebook as well, so she knows a little bit about what you um what you're about and I thought what a great idea because we talk a lot about spirituality and I know that's something that that comes up in your book and certainly we haven't really talked much about aging and I think it's something that we obviously are all going to deal with if we're not dealing with it already.
1: I'm I'm dealing with it. I would assume you are, too. Well, I'm going to be
0: 50 this year, so I'm uh, right. getting... Um, well, the title of your book, Mom, uh, Grow Old, Be Happy, sounds a little like Don't Worry, Be Happy. Is, is there a connection there to that song? Or
2: Yeah, actually, there is. Um, the whole idea when you say to someone, don't worry, be happy, uh, is that you're saying, let go, um, just go with the flow. And I think that people need to approach aging in the same way. Um, The whole idea is that aging is natural. It's going to happen to everyone unless... You opt for the alternative uh, <laughs> and become a vampire, and become a vampire, <laughs> or
0: jump out a window, <laughs> or jump
2: out a window. Um, so I think the idea of fighting it is kind of anathema to the whole concept of what it means to be human. What it means to be human is to age. So I, yeah, grow old, be happy, let go.
1: And enjoy it. So, Kathleen, how do you do? How do you not fight it? I mean, I find myself dyeing my hair. Yeah, um, getting facials regularly. Is that fighting it, or is it just keeping up with it?
2: Well, I think you know, maintaining uh, your looks. If you, if that is something that appeals to you, if it's important to you, I think that is great. I think the reason, though, that we fight it so much in this culture is that we are conditioned to think that there's something wrong with growing old. We are conditioned to envy youth, to want to be young forever. And you know, while that sounds good, and while our culture does so many things to promote that, that actually causes us on many levels to be unhappy. Um, so how would you age with happiness then? Well, I think there are several things that we need to start doing, which may come as a surprise to some people. First of all, I would say start telling people your age. And particularly if you're my age, 71, I tell people, and the reason I do in part is... because you look 51. I was (laughs) going to say, you're very young. Well, I think, you know, genes play a role in some of that. But I do think that when you don't tell your age or you even lie about your age, what you're really saying is, I'm not comfortable with aging. And then that reinforces how our culture feels about it. Um, stop trying to age gracefully. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, do we ever say to a little kid, be a five-year-old gracefully? Well of course not because we just want 5-year-olds to be 5-year-olds. The the idea that we're age we have to age gracefully to me says maybe there's something wrong with aging that we can't just age normally we have, to, we have to sort of pretend like it's not happening. We have to sort of do this for someone else because it makes them feel better. If we're, if we're a bother, if we're difficult, well, then, you know, you're not being graceful. Maybe you're just aging. I mean, maybe sometimes that goes with it. So. I know
0: because I'm starting to tell people to get off my lawn. <laughs>
1: it's fun isn't it it
0: really is yeah
1: um you talk about eccentric eccentricities eccentricities. in your book what are you talking about yeah
2: that's part of um of how to age with happiness too letting go of youth envy learn to love your aging appearance celebrate your eccentricities and what i mean by that is When you get older, this is a time, like I said, part of it is letting go, when you can really be yourself. I mean, think about it. Let's Let's say you've worked in a bank all your life, but you love bohemian clothes. You love big earrings and flowy skirts, and you hardly ever wear them because that's just not your persona when you're at work. Well, when you age, you can just forget about that you retire you just buy a closet full of bohemian clothes and you dye your hair and you color it pink if you want I think letting out that part of you that maybe you've been hiding when you're younger it it's so freeing and it and it's part of the aging process and then
1: how to grow old and be happy is part of that like picking up the par- parts of you that you lost somehow. Yeah, yeah and-
2: that that society puts so much pressure on all of us to conform, right? I mean, to to sort of live within these norms. And as you get older, you give yourself permission maybe not to do that. There is, um, there is a guy I know who has um, this hobby of of uh, tarot cards, I mean he loves them. he goes to tarot readers he he 's got a bunch of them himself now when he was younger. He wouldn't have done that because people would have thought, "What is this guy doing? He's got a prestigious job. Why is he hanging around with tarot card readers?" Not that there's anything wrong. I was going to say, no, I- <laughs> but you know, Nancy, sir-
0: do you have your tarot cards with you?
2: <laughs> I don't,
1: but I have them usually all the time.
2: Yeah. And so now he loves this. And, some, and he's
1: embraced it somewhat.
2: He's embraced it. Mm. And maybe that's considered eccentric. But he thinks it's just a part of him that's finally coming to the surface.
0: Yeah. well, But, but no one should embrace um, elastic waistband pants and... <laughs> And shoes that have the Velcro on it. I mean, I know it's easier to tie. White belts. And the white belts. Those are things that we really do got to get rid of. Now, one of the things with, with growing old, of course, you're eventually going to face, you know, that ultimate fate, that ultimate day. Uh, death and that's something yeah. that as you get older, that's something that a lot of us think about. We we think about death. We think about whoa, well, this is going to change everything because you, you you feel like you know you've you've got no t- uh, expiration date when you're young, but when you yes. get older, you start to think about well, well, how can death be an ally? Because I mentioned, you mentioned that in your book about death being an ally. How. How does that play?
2: Well, I think the fact that you are aware of your mortality sharpens your senses. I mean, I know that when I turned 70, and Tom knows this, I was a little down about it, which surprised me because I'd written this book about how wonderful aging is. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it looks like a train. <laughs> uh, so uh,
1: so then so, how did you calm that how did you
2: calm well, that I'm st- down I'm still dealing with that and I think that's part of the aging process I think that death becomes an ally in that we know we have a finite amount of time so we say all right I'm going to make the most of this. I'm going to be myself as much as I can. I'm going to do these things I have always wanted to do. I'm going to make stronger bonds with my friends and my family. And the things I value are going to reflect the fact that I'm not here forever. Right. So actually, it it's interesting because as you age, you you see the limited part of your life but you also see the liberated part of it and the two kind of go together when when we are limited sometimes within within that confinement you know, it's like a little flower that grows out of a piece of brick, you know, like a brick sidewalk. Within that confinement, we can flower. And so I'm reminded of it, and I say to myself, okay, I don't have a lot of time, and so I'm going to uh, embrace what I'm doing, and I'm going to try to enjoy every moment and, of and, it.
0: and I noticed that, too, some of the things. Like, like my, my father used to always say, um, fuck them if they can't take a joke. That was like... <laughs> my mom, my mom's first husband my father and that was kind of, and that's kind of an ongoing joke in our family how my father yes. would say that but the idea of like you know screw it if they like i'm not trying to impress anyone and that's if they right. don't like me who cares because you know what i look at my expiration date or whatever and you may you know be in your 70s or 80s and saying you know i only got a, you know a limited amount of time here so you know screw it and you even you even told me sometimes you're like you know what I don't care if I look great when I'm leaving the house today because you know what who cares right you know? and the
1: majority of people aren't looking at you they. Are worry about themselves that worried about everyone's themselves. pretty
0: self-centered so um and, and we do that and it's it's almost kind of it's, it's very zen it's very zen to kind of live in the moment and not worry about what other people think or what other people would how, how they would judge you or or what have Although, you Although,
1: how can you live wanting people to like you but still out of your box how or in your eccentric space well, I think
2: that what I have found, which is really kind of interesting, as I have aged, I have acquired more friends. And I think one of the reasons is, I really think this, is I am more myself than I have ever been. I i am more likely to be honest with people. I am more likely to react in a way that is is—is me and not what I think they want want me to to be or what they want to hear. And people, I think, are attracted to um, a genuine person. And I think as we age, some of that genuine part of us, uh, you know, comes to the fore. And I just feel like, well, I have more friends because I am myself. And I think people – I think people have – can see that. You know how much you like someone who you feel is really real. Mm-hmm. And I think you can become more real as you grow older.
1: And then being real, you encourage others to be real? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I would say so. Um, uh, your book is, is amazing. Um, it hasn't yet been officially published. You've got an agent. We're trying to get this thing out there. And certainly if any of our listeners know a good uh, publisher that would be interested in this, we can always uh, <laughs> would always be interested to send mom's agent their away, but one of the pieces of advice you give in the book... Uh, isn't based on our modern culture's view of aging. It's based on ancient cultures. And that's one of the things about this book that I think is so unique is the fact that it does look at ancient cultures. And you look at some of the cultures, uh, Eastern civilization especially, how aging is almost like a a, a medal you wear or a crown you wear wear in your head, whereas here it's kind of like, oh, grandma's getting old, let's push her into a home. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I think I did uh, start Start researching um, this book about ten years ago, and uh, one of the things I noticed right away, because not unlike you, Nancy, I, I was really I was worried about turning sixty. I was about to turn sixty, and I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm getting older, and I don't want to embrace what our modern culture says about getting older because our modern culture says first of all aging is bad secondly it's just a downhill slide so I started looking uh, at how other cultures uh, approach it and it's interesting for instance in China a couple of years ago they passed a law that required young people to visit their aging parents and to provide for them. Another, That's cool. I think it's real cool, Tom. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe how often are we talking about here? it? <laughs> yeah. So that shows how important, right, it is to this culture. Uh, there are even s- today, if that was just a even couple to, of absolutely. years ago. Absolutely. Um, if you are Chinese, you're very familiar with Lao Laozi. Uh, and Lao Tzu is a central figure in Taoism uh, and traditional texts say that Lao Tzu stayed in the womb for 62 years. And That's was, a long time. Yes, a real long time. And his poor mom. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but he was born an old man with a gray beard and long earlobes, which are symbols of wisdom and long life. And Lao Tzu literally means old master this is a very revered uh, figure in mythology or actually history uh, in China so you can see how when you are being brought up you already get the idea that being old is a revered time in a person's life. Confucius is a also a central figure in in Chinese culture and he believed in filial piety which means that you you put your family first especially your parents. And there are other cultures too certainly that um you know reflect this this kind of thinking. For instance, aging Hindus Uh, spend a portion of their life sort of going inward and preparing for what they believe will be their next life. So as you age, uh, there are four stages in the life cycle uh, in the Hindu religion. The first is childhood, where you take everything in. The second is householder. That's what it's called where you take care of others. And then there are two more stages of life. In other words, half of the life cycle in the Hindu religion is devoted to growing old. And it's all about going inward. It's all about finding your spirituality, coming to terms with what will come, which Hindus believe is reincarnation. So they prepare for this. And when you look, and Hinduism's about 5,000 years old, when you look at that religion, you say, there is such importance in growing older. Um, and I think, uh, for instance, in India, the term namaste, which we hear yoga instructors use all the time, but actually in uh, in India, Young people say namaste uh, to their teachers, to elders, and they even bow and kiss the feet of their well, teachers. Let's not get carried away. Here. <laughs> and their elders, because again, there's this reverence for wisdom and right. perspective and experience that we don't have here. No. So that's kind of what I'm trying to revive. In, in my book and in my f-
1: own philosophy. So do you think there's a difference between spirituality and religion? Well, um, yes. I think, uh,
2: first of all, Part of growing older is a search for your spiritual self. And uh, I think the process of going inward, which Carl Jung, the psychoanalyst, talked about, saying it was very appropriate for an older person to go inward and to become almost self-centered, not so much for a younger person, but this is the time when an older person is supposed To focus on him or herself. And part of this going inward is exploring your spirituality. The difference between um, basically religion and spirituality uh, from sort of my perspective, but I think other I've talked to other experts about it, too, is that religion provides a framework and you put your own spiritual feelings in that framework and you maybe you have to subscribe to certain dogma spirituality is your way of finding your own path so that that's a little bit different but you can use religion to find your own path the, the two are not at at odds with one another but the really the difference is Spirituality is you kind of make your own framework about what works for mm-hmm. you when it comes to And that's what I find
0: interesting that. because um just to give a little bit of background um mother and I were both uh I don't want to say raised Episcopalian, but we, you know, that's where we were both baptized when we were younger. Yes. And um, as we grew older, both of us, even though we're, you know, 21 years apart, became agnostic Mm -hmm. and kind of looked things, you know, from that uh, perspective. I looked at Buddhism and some things like that. You ended up studying Kabbalah for how many years did you study Kabbalah?
2: Uh, For five years. For five years.
0: And then all of a sudden you hit this point in your life where you said, maybe I want to go back to the Episcopal Church. Not so much because I want to, you know, find the Lord and go through it that way, but talk a little bit about the reason why you had mentioned to me about maybe going back to the Episcopal
2: Church. Yeah, I think as you age, I think, and you do see um, that life is finite, um, you think, well, all right, what comes after this? And in Kabbalah, um, there is a feeling that we are all one with the universe there are some kabbalists who believe in reincarnation there that's interesting i didn't realize that yes and i think a lot of it is um it's very individual and so in uh kabbalah i learned more about the idea the concept that God isn't well, not that Episcopalians would say this, but God isn't some person in the sky dictating to us and answering prayers or not answering prayers. But that God, if you want to use that term, is really energy. The the universe was created with energy, that we are
1: all made up of energy. Yeah,
0: Nan and I talk about how we say God's energy, too. We, yeah. we talk about yes. that a lot in this show.
1: Well, uh, and I'm familiar with Kabbalah and the Tree of Life and yes. going go yes. into the different realms between here and there. I mean, we're, according to Ka- Kabbalism we 've been pushed our world is getting pushed further and further down the tree mm-hmm. you know through the roots almost i would I would say
0: so from Kabbalah so, you were mentioning
2: yeah that that God is energy and and the more I sort of studied this, the idea that you know when you when you open yourself up to the universe and let God quote unquote or the energy of the universe in that that is part of fulfilling yourself not only as a human being but as a spiritual being and that I think it makes life better. I think it, you're happier when you feel you're not alone as when you're an agnostic or an atheist. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for me it was a process. So why would I go back to the Episcopal Church? Well, I take this um this philosophy from Kabbalah and apply it to the teachings of the church. In other words, I don't think I need to think the way of a maybe a mainstream Christian would think about Christianity, but what I see in it is the love of God, the beauty in the universe, the universality of all of us as human beings being vulnerable— and also being powerful in that we can extend um compassion and empathy to other people. And um I mean this is really Jesus talked about this. So if I can see him as a look, Jesus was Jewish. Right. And Kabbalah is Jewish mysticism. And and Jesus, I mean, you could say here was a radical rabbi. Uh, if I were standing around the well two thousand years ago, and I heard this radical rabbi speaking, I might Dude. have said, "Dude, <laughs> I'm I'm all over this." Right. So, um, so that's how I have been able to. On my own spiritual journey, sort of come full circle. circle But you
0: also said part of it too is the you like some of the rituals and you like the music and you like the stained glass in the church. I mean, some of it is just kind of like just the feeling. And because I am not religious at all, but there was something that I remember. You know, Christ Church in Cranbrook, this Episcopal church where you were married to my father, actually, is one of the most beautiful churches in the world. It is, or at least in the U.S. And you go in that place and you see these, you know, these tall ceilings and this beautiful stonework and these, you know, beautiful um, stained glass and to hear everyone singing, I mean, there was something about that that was kind of You know, overpowering. It's like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you know, having some religious epiphany, but just something about being there, you know, made you feel at at peace and it made you feel, you know, it
2: it gave you positive feelings, I think. Yes, I think being in uh, a place like that, I love ritual. I love certain words that I've heard my whole life that are meaningful to me. I love beautiful music. We love
0: taking communion over and over again. (laughs) Wait a second, you you were just up here, buddy.
2: Yeah, the communion. But what I think it does is I think uh, it opens the soul to the divine. And any of us can have a view of the divine our own way, but but my view, I think that would help me keep my soul open to the divine and what's around me.
1: I just started um, a regular practice of ritual. Um, Is there anything that you do regularly? Well, I think
2: meditating. Uh, and, and the I'm, martini.
1: and the <laughs>
2: Not necessarily at in the that. same time. <laughs> um, but yes, I think, and I mention this in the book a lot, I have a number of meditation exercises because I think when we calm ourselves and go inside, I think we are, and get rid of the noise, we are more open to to that. And what kinds of, that's interesting, Nancy, what kinds of ritual are you interested in?
1: Oh, I I have now a regular meditation practice, Mm -hmm. which I had lost for many years, but um, I have a meditation practice. I also now am doing prayer. It looks like prayer, but honestly, I think it's just me opening up so that the divine can speak more clearly through me instead of just, you know, in my readings, rambling off and kind of giving people, you know, sometimes I was thinking I'm giving them what they want to hear and not what is truly being offered through me. And, and now I feel like the doing the ritual every morning, every time before I do a reading, it's coming out clearer. It's still coming out kind. Um, but, you know, it's probably more from somewhere else instead of me giving Oh, little person. baby
0: Jesus and God, please listen to me. My Detroit Lions need a victory this weekend. Oh, Lord, if you're listening.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that's the way it works. No, I don't but... think it does that way either. But, so, but you know, Family Guy
0: did a funny thing is is, is they, uh, one of the Family Guy episodes, they go up to God and they're like, you know, it had to do with, with their Patriots because it takes place right. in, in Rhode Island. They're Patriots fans. So it was uh-huh. kind of like, you know, they went up to ask God, you know, why are you, you know, why are you giving a? hard time to the Patriots this season, you know they kind of with this this whole thing is like you know hey you know get off our backs, you know <laughs> so it's kind of funny though because a lot of people do pray for that kind of stuff, they pray for victories of their teams, they pray for you know something to happen when you know, it isn't just, you know, thoughts and prayers because your, you know, grandma's sick or, or pray that, you know, that you get through a, a difficult situation. Sometimes it's like, oh, come on, God, you know, just, just, just give me this buzzer beater here and I'll yes, but go to church every day.
2: Didn't God say in that episode that he's a Steelers fan?
1: <laughs> Maybe he did. <laughs> I think so. so. So the youth of today, would you have advice for them? Wow, yes.
2: Um, boy, if I could take what I have learned <laughs> in 71 years and take it back and tell my young self, what should I do, what should I be? I would, first of all, tell myself, stop worrying, because I think young people worry way too much about how they look, about how whether or not they're going to be successful, about whether they have enough friends, about whether people like them. Stop worrying about that because as you get older, you know, you see what's really important. And, you know, how you look is fine. And whether or not you are a success by our culture standard is fine. But sometimes the road less traveled is okay, too. And I think not worrying about stuff. Well, that's the one thing you
0: used to tell me because I would call you and I'd say, oh, I'm so stressed out about this. And you're like, Tom when you're my age, you're not even going to remember that you were stressed out about this activity. In other words, there's like maybe three or four things in your life that you'll come to that you'll remember yeah. 30 years ago that you were stressed out about. but and this is not going to be one of them. You know, <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: Exactly. So because yeah. we have things we go through every day and we worry about these things. It's almost like, you know, don't sweat the small stuff as, a, as cliche as it may seem. But um, yeah, I mean, I I don't remember any of those little angst that I had when I was in my 20s or 30s where I would call you up and I'd be, Mom, what am I going to do? What am I going to You know what I'm saying? It's like I don't even remember. what I can't even give you a specific example, but I made it through it, you know? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) you did. That's great advice, though.
2: I just think it's really, and I also think the role of an elder in our culture, which is in the the role that elders also perform in, in ancient cultures, was to give advice to younger people, to be there for them, and I feel personally to make them feel better about their lives. I think an older person can say, don't worry, it's going to be fine, and I think that's part of what we should do for younger people. I hate to see younger people stress out particularly um, over things that, like you said, Tom, you know, ultimately in the scheme of things, when you look back at your life. Very
0: unimportant. That were
2: unimportant.
1: Very,
0: or insignificant. So
1: uh, why yeah. do you think people do that? Why do people stress out about things that are insignificant?
0: Well, I think that a lot of people, you know, they're in the moment. And to them, that is the most, you know, pressing issue to them. Um, You know, we don't look at a big picture and say, "Okay, wait a second here. There's there's kids in cages. There are, you know, people that are struggling to eat and are homeless in the streets of Denver tonight. Is it really that important that my, you know, contractor was late and I had to miss, you know, reschedule my dentist appointment? You know, I mean, or some, you know, something insignificant like that, I I think, is part of it. Um, But you were talking about youth, mom. Uh, What do you think um, is the reason our modern culture puts so much emphasis on youth? It's, it's, it seems to all be out there. Look younger, feel younger, be younger. You know, even when you're growing old, I mean, you look at every book on aging and it's all about feel younger, look younger, do things where it's kind of like, well, why? Why are they?
2: Well, there is a lot of money to be made. That's true. Off of keeping people looking, feeling, and acting younger. Um, we have built quite an industry in our culture uh, that, around this whole idea that um, younger is better and it is reinforced by the power that we give adulthood I mean I and I'm I'm looking at adulthood now as part of the human life cycle there's childhood adolescence there is adulthood and then there is elderhood which I am in which I consider different I don't Consider myself anymore really an adult. I consider myself, I have moved beyond. It's basically
0: adulthood with prunes, is basically. (laughs)
2: Terrible. Yes, I moved I, I no. right into that.
1: Uh, Instead of an
0: olive in her martini, it's a prune in her yes, martini. Yes, it
1: is. <laughs> or just some prune juice. <laughs> skipping gin, the martini with, altogether. With, with
2: gin. <laughs> we're not skipping the martini. No, we're, we're not skipping the booze.
1: <laughs> yeah, so is that part of your ritual? Are you doing things that you know that you want to do now in yes. comparison to oh here we are, we just you know, people
2: tell you, you should be doing things that make uh, the culture happy. Um, and I'm saying at this point in my life, I did that. Uh, I raised my son. <laughs> you're still raising your son. I, I'm still raising my son. I, um, you know, had a number of careers. I brought money in. I had things that I had to do. Um, now I do things that I want, want to, to do. do. Like
0: you're doing a lot of traveling, for instance. A
2: lot of traveling, um I exercise in part because because I like the fact that it keeps me uh, thin. I like that. But I also feel good when I exercise, and I feel that it will uh, increase my longevity um, because I do have a martini every night, and I have to <laughs> – counterbalance that with exercise but um but other things that I do uh meditating and reading I absolutely love to read and I love to write so I do all of those things because I truly enjoy them one of the things I don't enjoy that I still do because my literary agent says I have to is I'm very involved in social media I don't really like feeling obligated to be tweeting all the time, but but I do it as part of... So sh-
0: should we blame the president's tweeting on his <laughs> uh, publisher I mean, or yeah. his agent?
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> if you have an agent, you know... <laughs> well, it is kind of the I'm way active. to market these days. Well, it, and publishers are looking for people who are active in social media, and so... I so they have that following, and they active. know that they're going to sell their their books.
2: Yes, and so the idea is to increase people's, uh, you know, to increase their followers and and to get more people to like them on Right, if you, if you got
0: 10,000 people following you, then there's 10,000 books you can sell right, right off right. the bat is what they think, you know, That's or something right. like that. That's
2: right, but but then, of course, you're spending so much time doing that, and you're not really spending the time writing, which is the thing I like. So I do, I'm still battling that a little bit. But I I try to keep that in in check, and I really think day-to-day... I live a pretty good life. I, I enjoy
1: what I do. I do. Do, do. I do you think social media is keeping us apart? I do, personally
0: myself, and I was just going to mention that. Yeah. Um Well, it, it, and I give a couple examples. For one thing, I mean, it's, it, it's almost like that analogy of, um, did you ever see the movie uh, Vacation? When they get to the Grand Canyon and they all kind of like, they look at the Grand Canyon and they get back in the car. It's like people will take a picture of the Grand Canyon and then they'll get in their car and it's like, you know, we'll look at the picture when we get home. It's kind of like, well, you're in front of it right now. This this is what's happening. Life yeah. is what happens while you're busy making other plans, as, as John Lennon said so yeah. eloquently. But I think that what ends up happening is with Snapchat and all this stuff, it's like you're trying to capture all these moments throughout your day when you're missing what's happening. I mean, it's like, sure, you have that picture. And it's great to take pictures when you're on vacation or you're, you're visiting a new place. But... Stand there and, and take it in and enjoy it that moment. And I think that social media has gotten us away from it. Also, I think people hide behind social media because maybe they're shy or maybe they're not a real, you know, talkative person. So it gives. I thought them a- you
1: were going to say they weren't a real person because no. sometimes well, that's sometimes, <laughs> they're <laughs> <not>. <laughs> sometimes they're
0: not. Sometimes they're bots. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're Russians trying to influence our elections. But but no, I I think that a lot of people, um, whether it be uh, you know communicating with someone on a dating website or whether it be on Facebook, it allows them a, a place where they can feel like they're significant and they can, and they can think their thoughts out before they write them. And, Some you know, people
1: don't think their thoughts out before they write them. <laughs> well,
0: that is true. But But, but the point yeah. being is that you can go back and edit stuff where when you're talking to someone having a conversation sitting at a coffee shop with a complete stranger or someone you meet in a museum, you don't have a chance to go back there and think out what you're going to say or, you know, come up with this idea that you may have to look up something online before you say it to make sure that you have it correct. How would you say that relates to? um... Well,
2: I think one of the things that I find most discouraging um, uh, when I see young mothers and fathers uh, pushing a stroller with their child in it and they are texting or they are on the phone, and I'm thinking, you are missing this precious time with your child and this is so fleeting and I also think it it not only affects the mother or father it affects the child I mean Tom you know when you when I would push you in the stroller um, I would just chat away the whole time and um, and I think one of the reasons that you are glib and that you've had uh, careers in in radio and television um, uh, voiceovers and, and theater and everything else is because I was pretty verbal with you. And I think that you establish a bond with your child and you also teach your child things like, oh, look at that bird, that's called a robin. And I think if you're on your phone when you're with your child,
1: you're not present. Or your partner. Or your partner. I see a lot of people out eating, and they're both staring at their phones. They're walking
0: on the sidewalk, and they're both texting. It's like, oh, my God.
2: And my feeling, too, is they're not with the person they're with, and they're not really with the person they're texting. So where are they?
1: Dun, yeah, dun, where dun, are they? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Yeah, I think so. That goes along with spirituality too. I mean, if we're not present in this world, where are we? Exactly. No, I are think... we creating other dimensions out there in our in our non-presence to this particular reality? I don't Perhaps. know. That's really interesting. It's interesting
2: when you bring up another dimension because uh, I wrote a chapter in the book about time. And one of the things I talked about in in this chapter is um, something called non-locality. Now, if you're not a physicist, you're not gonna know what this is. And I didn't know what it was until I did a little more research into it. But it turns out that scientists for decades have been toying with this idea. And the idea, according to scientists, is that if you separate two particles who are, you know, together, and you place them at opposite ends of the universe. Now, they do this in a lab. I mean, but
1: the whole It's a big lab. (laughs) It's It's huge. Oh, it is big. And these two particles, like, arrived together originally? Is that what were
2: Yes. And then you put them at opposite ends of the universe. They behave as if there is no time or distance between them. And Einstein called this whole theory the theory, he called it spooky action at a distance, because if there is no time or distance, there goes his theory of relativity. So that was interesting and deep, but it also talked about the parallel, the idea of a parallel universe which I think is pretty cool. According to some of these scientists um that uh the idea that if if indeed these particles behave the same way maybe there is a parallel universe where this other particle is uh so in other words if that's true then there is another you out there. There's another universe.
1: E! Uni- <laughs> e. <laughs> Two toms. Oh, mom, we're God. all in trouble. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, no. Oh, no, no,
2: I always no. say to
0: mom, what happens if I had, if I had a twin brother?
2: Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I think that's so intriguing. Scientists who actually believe in this, this concept say that it's not impossible. So I love I love the idea that could be another me doing maybe cooler things than I'm doing. <laughs> and if so, how can I do them? Yeah. Wow. is isn't that cool. That's
0: very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about some of that. It's not not necessarily parallel universes, but we've talked about different dimensions and different stuff. Different
1: like dimensions, that. yes.
0: But parallel uh, universe. It's also a good song by the Chili Peppers.
1: Sometimes I think, you know, parallel universes that you wake up it, and your emotions put you in them. Mm. Like, say you wake up and you're on the wrong side of the bed, and you go from that point forward, and everything falls to shit. You know, you, you get in a car accident, you forgot your paper, oh, blah, blah, I blah. See. Where mm. the other part of you woke up on the right side of the bed and got right to work without any accident, mm. without forgetting everything They came to work. It is an emotional connection to the universe. Mm-hmm. Is Sometimes, how I perceive that, and that's just a perception i've had from time to time, so i'm not really sure if we can connect to our other selves or if we do connect to them based on how we you know just emotionally are that's so interesting
2: because Kabbalah talks about um the seen and the unseen reality i mean that's kind of the essence of it, in other words. We're seeing what's going on here, right? We're sitting at a table, and what we see is a wood table. What we don't see are the molecules that make up the table. In the table, but right. you know what? They're there. So, so the
0: table's not really solid.
2: No, no. it's not. It's no. all energy.
1: Everything is energy. So the And whole- a combined essence of what we call that energy. Like we all had to get together and decide this was a table at some point.
2: Yes, that wood would be made up of these various, you know, elements that combine to make molecules. But I just think that's so fascinating, the idea of—and I think the older you get, the more open I think you are to the idea, well, maybe it isn't just what we see. Maybe there is a lot more going on that we don't see. And, And my own personal feeling is I'm open to that. Right. I'm I'm open to all these theories and ideas because why not? I mean, I think
1: it's part of what makes life so interesting. So, can I ask when you see or or you have a friend who is in the aging process and they're stuck, you know, they're you can tell they're not really being their authentic self, how would you nudge them into the mm. direction?
0: Give them the book. <laughs> Pat them <laughs> on the back. Say, "Give me 1995 and be on your
2: way." I like that Me idea. Too. I like that idea. Boy, that is a really good question. I I think it's hard because when when people really and I see this with women particularly, who have had plastic surgery, um, and you know they all look the same. They yeah. should They should have a family reunion because they all look they like they really the re- do.
1: <laughs> We'll look like they're well, I would lump Botox
0: into that and well, no the... well, Botox it just kind of takes away wrinkles, but there are probably five women at can... our health club that have had plastic surgery and they all look like sisters It's they yeah. have the exact same lips, the exact same eyes, the exact same cheeks it 's like. They, they do. It's kind of like when someone has Down syndrome, how they all kind of look, the, you know, they, they all kind of have that certain look to them. You can tell someone. It's like you can tell someone who's had plastic surgery. They all have yeah. that same look to them. They
2: do. And, but I think it's very hard to uh, to confront people because I think part of it is that insecurity with aging. I think the way to maybe talk about it is to, to talk about the wonders of aging and the beauties of growing older. And part of it is going to have to be, well, more than part of it, is going to have to be cultural. We really are going to have to come to grips with the fact that being old is part of being human. It is part, and it is such an important part. So, um I think until we address that, and I do feel really bad for women who feel they've got to have plastic surgery. I know, and some of these people, oh like
0: you've seen like movie stars and stuff like that, where you're like, she was so cute. you know. Like, <laughs> I
2: know. Whether it's
0: someone like, you know, what was her name? Uh, Meg Ryan or someone like that. It's like, gosh, yeah. you know, she was so cute. And then you look at her now, or that woman who was in Show Me the Money, what was her name? Uh, Renee, Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger. I mean, she used to look so adorable. Now she's had all this plastic surgery. It's like, why? Why did you do that? Yeah. But you really if it made
1: you- her feel better. Here's that's where I stand. If it makes the person feel well, better, well, I think that's a good. And so now, now we're talking about,
2: you know. It, it, The irony of of some of this, and it's so true about things that are true. I mean, if you want to feel better, but you say, well, plastic surgery will make me feel better, but the point is that's still being driven by the culture. Right. We're still saying young is better than old, and what we have to say is young and old are different. Yes. But they're equally good and they're equally part of the human life cycle and each stage of being a human is wonderful and we should enjoy childhood and old age
0: i think that's a great way to wrap up the show
1: although i was going to do a guided meditation so yeah yeah of course so lie (laughs) so lie back in your chairs wherever you're out out in the world and just start to breathe and sink in a little bit deeper with your inhale and your exhale and everything's calming down and talking about age I think that you can go into your mind now just go into your mind and imagine yourself softening all your emotions get a little bit softer your breath becomes a little bit softer and then the wrinkles that were around your eyes begin to smooth out and your brow line begins to grow a little smoother also. And the stress that you carried into this place that you are sitting now or standing um, begins to soften in your belly. And all the muscles begin to release tension and fear and anxiety. And in that place where everything gets a little tiny bit softer your spirit grows a little tiny bit softer also. And you're just breathing here. Inhale and exhale. And the whole world disappears. And in its place is just this moment to be with you. Enjoy you, whoever you are. And then all of a sudden, you start to move again, and you start to kind of blink your eyes open, and you were more relaxed and at peace.
0: Oh, definitely. Dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Mother, it's Mom, it's been so f- cool to have you on here.
2: Oh, it's been so much fun.
0: I, I said last time that my, when I had my friend Lance on here, I said, he's going to be my favorite all-time guest because he's one of my best friends. Yeah. And, well, I think you had to pass Lance up.
2: Oh, my gosh. Because you are
0: my best friend. Aww. And you've done so much for me. It's and you,
1: true. Oh, thank you.
0: And I'm you. so lucky to have you in my life.
1: Oh, thank if somebody you. wanted to find you, Kathleen, how c- can they get on your Facebook? Well, first of all, she's sure. got a website. Oh, nice. I do. Growoldbehappy.com. Yay. Yay. Growoldbehappy.com. And you can write yeah.
0: her through there, and you can And also. I have
2: a Facebook page, Grow Old, Be Happy, uh, Kathleen O'Brien, which I manage. With a K. With a K. And also, I'm on Twitter... At uh, Kat O'Brien, and you can go to Twitter and find it there. I'm on LinkedIn
1: at Kathleen O'Brien. So. Wonderful. We can't yeah, wait for your book stuff. to be released. Yeah. Oh, I
2: can't wait either. <laughs> yeah.
0: We'll get you on the talk show circuit. This is just oh, a yeah. warm-up, baby. And it's a warm-up.
2: All
0: <laughs> right. It's Imagine Akasha Today, the Today Show Tomorrow.
1: All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in, and we'll uh, join you next time on Imagine Akasha.
1: Bye-bye.